This episode is brought to you by the GG button. Hit that GG button to call out a good game or to troll your friends. Order yours today at ggbutton.com and use our coupon code 1PVS2P at checkout to save 10% off your order. Again, go to ggbutton.com, use coupon code 1PVS2P at checkout and save 10%. Thanks to our friends at the GG button for supporting our podcast and thanks to our listeners for supporting us. Experts discover the PS4 Pro runs some games worse than the base PS4, the NES Classic Edition sells out everywhere immediately, and game preservationists win four long-lost Kirby games at auction. Plus, Dishonored 2, Watch Dogs 2, Pokemon Sun and Moon, and some new game announcements. It's Friday, November 11th, 2016, and you're listening to the 1P vs. 2P Podcast. I'm Taylor Ray. I'm Ryan Ray. Let's start off with our top stories from this past week in gaming. Uh, First off, I just want to say thanks to Ryan for holding the fort last week while I was sick. Great solo cast. Thank you. (laughs) No, my pleasure. Now now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's talk about this story about the PS4 Pro because a little bit of disheartening news because a lot of people are starting to get it uh, if they've pre-ordered the console. Uh, According to Digital Foundry, this is Eurogamer's uh, tech division who investigates hardware related uh, issues and test out performance stuff. Uh, basically, based on their tests, they're seeing that when paired with 4K displays, there's some performance hits when it comes to some games released on the PS4 versus running the same games on the old PS4 hardware. So we're talking about like the PS4 Slim or the uh, old base model PS4, like the one that I have. Ryan, break this down for me. What's going on here? Right, so several titles are running at lower performance levels, uh, presumably owing to the higher resolution support that the PS4 Pro has. Uh, If you recall from this very confusing story, and nobody can blame you if you're confused because Sony didn't do a very good job of pitching the Pro, uh, basically the PS4 Pro, if you have it connected to a 1080p TV, Uh, which most people have because 4K TVs right now are very expensive. Some games will run actually at lower frame rates. And um, because of some of the upsampling that happens with the graphics, um, some games may actually look a little bit worse. Uh, So some of the games that they uh, have that have this issue so far have been games like uh, the Skyrim Remastered Collection, The Last of Us, which is a particularly surprising case because that is a first party Sony game. Uh, this uh, downloadable game called Mantis Burn Racing. And uh, Deus Ex Mankind Divided has uh, an extra special problem in which uh, they found that some scenes in the game play at a noticeably lower frame rate, but not a consistent uh, performance hit uh, overall, which the other games did have. So this is a very bad press for the PS4 Pro. Uh, Sony basically needed to convince hardcore gamers uh, like you and I, like people who listen to the show, that the PS4 Pro was a mid-cycle console upgrade that was worth buying into. And uh, if we find out that a lot of the games that ran perfectly fine uh, on the original PS4 model, you know, why would you upgrade to the PS4 Pro? It, it, it This is like terrible news. Uh, Sony, for their part, has said, quote, we are aware of the issue and currently investigating, but they need to fix this like right away because this is really, really egg on their face. I think we're at that stage where people are supposed to expect 
games to be running at 1080p and then 60 frames per second, right? That's the golden standard. There are very few games that truly run that, even on high-end PCs, for a number of different reasons. But if you're expecting, let's say, Microsoft with the uh, the Project Scorpio and Sony, of course, with the PS4 Pro now, uh, first one out of the gate when it comes to this incremental uh, hardware upgrade, the whole pitch, their whole marketing about this is that, hey, they're going to run better, they're going to look better, period. I was already skeptical going into this, knowing full well that there's going to be some early, early patches already. Developers are already working hard to uh, get their existing titles, games that have been out for a couple of years now, like you, you've mentioned up at the top, Last of Us, for example, You know, to get them at a higher resolution, at a higher frame rate, with HDR support. Uh, you know, they're going back, working on these titles, and now all of a sudden, we see this. Like, these reports are very startling. It's just, it's just a bizarre and baffling thing, and it really discourages anyone right now from going out and buying a PS4 Pro. I certainly am really glad I didn't uh, pre-order this, because I would be really upset. You know, you're paying a premium for this exact reason, and you're expecting things to run better than your old PS4, all of a sudden, you start experiencing this, and you get very, very, very angry. I could totally get the anger behind all this. Right. So I went ahead and got a PS4 Pro. It's actually sitting in my living room, uh, still boxed up. And I also have a 4K TV on the way. Um, I am not somebody who typically gets excited about uh, graphics upgrades. But the thing for me that really uh, sold me on this was the performance upgrade. Um, you know, that frame rates would be a little more stable. Uh, some games that have dipped sub 30 would uh, be a little more stable, 30 frames per second. And on top of it, the PS4 Pro has a one terabyte uh, hard drive in there, which the current base model PS4 only has 500 gigs. And I believe the Slim also only has 500 gigs. Of course, you can um, avoid your warranty and put in an external hard drive. Pretty easy to do. They've made that pretty easy to do. But uh, I think you can expand it up to two terabytes, uh, which for me made sense because, um, you know, games are really big. The file sizes are huge. And for me, this console upgrade, mid-cycle console refresh made sense. Um, I was the person who in the generation of three, uh, the Xbox 360, you know, I went through several 360s, um, not only just because of the red ring, but also because with each subsequent upgrade, the uh, console itself got smaller, got more power efficient, and uh, there was more data on those hard drives, which was absolutely essential with the bigger games that came out. Um, the original base model 360 did not have a very big hard drive. Uh, the same thing is going to be true with the, the PS4. I think uh, for now, it's it, the question of whether or not you should get a Pro um, is e thrown even more into the gray zone uh, if they're going to continue to have these performance issues. Um, I would say right now, probably, if you do not have a PS4, uh, I would consider going in on the Slim. Um, it's, it's definitely an attractive console. If you already currently own a PS4, the base model, and, uh, there's data out there to suggest that a lot of people out, out there do, um, I would probably just stick with that for now. And if you have the extra cash to burn, consider a pro, but only once they, um, there's potentially a, uh, bundle down the road or they hammer out some of these performance issues because frankly, this is not very encouraging news. Right. I sincerely hope that these performance issues really comes down to errors made in how the developers are working on their games, uh, implementing those upgrades, right? You know, the difficulties behind all that work, and it's not really something hardware-related or firmware-related, because that would be up to Sony. 
because these knee-jerk reactions just aren't doing any good for us as the gamers who want to buy this upgraded hardware. And for Sony, of course, this is going to hurt their bottom dollar when it comes to sales. Uh, Let's move on to our next story. This is sort of a weird one. Uh, I have mixed emotions about this. Uh, I I wanted to highlight what Christopher Grant wrote uh, in an op-ed on Polygon. He was talking about how the new NES Classic Edition, this is the uh, miniature size version of the NES that has 30 classic titles on it uh, that can be connected via HDMI, be played on modern uh, TVs. History is sort of repeating itself with Nintendo here. And in his piece, Christopher Grant was arguing the fact that Nintendo is sort of manufacturing uh, scarcity on purpose for this hardware, much like what they've done in the past with Amiibos, for example. Uh, So let's boil it down. So Nintendo originally announced the NES Classic Edition about uh, four months ago. And his argument is that all Nintendo had to do for four months leading up to its release, which is today, Friday, November 11th, Knowing that full well, it's sold out completely everywhere right now as of this recording. We're talking about it Amazon, Toys R Us, Best Buy, you name it. You cannot find it, uh, except for by resellers on eBay, for example. You know, leading up to its release, all they had to do was make sure Nintendo was going to deliver enough to meet demand. It's just unfortunately unavailable on launch day, selling out within seconds on all these major sites. I want to read you this quote here because I think it's quite apt and I agree with a lot of it. He said, quote, these are Nintendo's most loyal customers and every single time Nintendo screws up a shipment or creates scarcity managed or not, it's showing these customers that it either doesn't care or can't be bothered to figure out what's wrong with its chronic inability to meet demand. Yikes, shots fired. Ryan, what do you think about it? You know, I think Nintendo kind of really backed itself into a corner here. Um, But I think it's also partially a reaction to uh, how poorly the Wii U uh, underperformed. You know, they actually manufactured too much of that console to meet demand. And now we have, uh, you know, we had news uh, not too long ago that was rumored and was confirmed last week that Nintendo is discontinuing production of the Wii U. Uh, that console didn't sell very well, and Nintendo probably leading up to this NES Classic Edition was very nervous that, um, you know, these are nostalgic old games. Uh, the people who would likely be most excited, the people who uh, were probably alive when these games originally came out, uh, who would be most interested in purchasing this product, already, like, have figured out ways to uh, play these games uh, either via semi-legal emulators uh, or through Nintendo's official like virtual console service, right? Like the majority of these 30 games that are included in this NES Classic Edition, you can get on the Wii U or um, the Wii's virtual console, uh, or uh, frankly, the 3DS's uh, virtual console service. So, um, you know, I, I agree that they may have misunderestimated the amount of consoles that they needed to put out there. Uh, I, for one, ha- have many different ways of playing uh, these games, but I like the form factor of this classic edition. I think like it's cool that they uh, put everything into a box for a relatively cheap price. It's only you know two dollars a game or whatever. Um, it's cool that they're you know tapping into their nostalgia. They've been uh, like with the marketing materials. They like you can call the Nintendo tip line right now and get actually a game counselor. Like on the marketing front, they're doing all the right things. And then you go to make the purchase and you can't find this thing anywhere. Uh, GameStop is already doing the very ugly thing of uh, not only are they not available, just the base model, (laughs) GameStop was reserving some of the consoles and bundling it with other things you didn't need that would probably just sit on GameStop shelves. And it's just every time something like this happens, 
it's it's like one of those things that gets me so frustrated that like Nintendo cannot solve this problem. They've had this problem since the GameCube, since the Wii, and like it like they never learned. Like I hope this isn't the like problem that we have with the switch in a few months when they set they manufacture only a certain amount of consoles and then realize that more people are interested in the nintendo thing than not like come on i don't think you can make the argument that nintendo is ignorant about this because certainly this just represents like a missed opportunity here every time this happens and this goes back to like you said back to gamecube when it was very difficult to find and the wii was even worse the wii u this wasn't a problem and i think that had more to do with the library of games and the confusion around the marketing behind it but the wii i remember a time when it was very difficult especially around the holidays uh, to buy this console it was just super hot everyone wanted it and nintendo could not meet demand now it's one thing if they're limited in their manufacturing scope right you know they can't scale up uh they were un not expecting high sales, but they knew about this. They knew that they were generating a lot of buzz about this console. It's conspicuously being released right before the holiday season. They marketed it as a great stocking stuffer. A lot of sites like Kotaku and Polygon were in fact tweeting about the fact that they're getting a ton of traffic unexpectedly on these NES Classic Edition uh announcements on the articles that they wrote. So they knew they had a lot of eyeballs on this, and yet it's a missed opportunity here because now resellers are doubling, tripling the price for this thing and making a profit, where Nintendo could have been making that revenue right from the get-go by getting enough supply, getting it enough units to those uh, retailers. It just seems to be common sense to me, but the strategy of only releasing a limited amount to generate buzz to say to people, uh, oh, get yours now because it constantly sells out and we're only releasing these piecemeal, I think is a terrible strategy to its most dedicated fans. Because what happens when, you know, the, the most hardcore of Nintendo fans start getting fed up with not being able to buy their products, they're going to go elsewhere. They're going to say enough of this. I, I really do not want to pay double, triple the price for these, you know, the, these flippers, these resellers, it's just a super, super obnoxious strategy for us as consumers, don't you think? Yeah, and I also want to challenge a little bit the, like, fact that this is only for hardcore gamers. Like, <clears throat> I was, you and I were kind of born and alive during the, like, NES's golden era, right? Uh, like, Super Mario Brothers, the release of Super Mario Brothers 3 is pretty tied closely to my birthday in 1987. Uh, you know, that's one of the games that's featured in this package. And, you know, a whole generate 30 years later, a whole generation of kids has grown up not necessarily playing Nintendo games. And it, Nintendo has this weird problem where they, they have kids who are interested in Nintendo products, but they don't have the like long understanding, the long like breadth of knowledge of like why Mario is a really cool character or why Kirby is like a fun character character to play or why Mega Man fans are so furious that Capcom hasn't done anything with Mega Man since then like it's it's they're trying to appeal to their their dual audience of new people who are coming to Nintendo products and also the old audience who's been there forever and isn't going to go anywhere despite the fact that they've been uh, m more or less manhandled by Nintendo for their nostalgia. You know, they're, hopefully they're, Nintendo is hoping that you you will buy the NES Classic Edition, and that will in turn generate more interest for their the Switch. Whether or not that will have more backwards compatible games, but 
They might say like, oh, you know, I remember having so much fun with Mario Brothers 2, Mario Brothers 3 on the SNES Classic Edition. Maybe I'll get the next Mario game on the Switch. That's their, that's like their whole ploy. And by not, by constraining supply right from the get go, they're like really hurting their chances of making, like getting people excited for the Switch because now, uh, you know, I'm going to expect that the Switch will be very difficult to get at launch. And that that is like a consumer risk that like I'm not sure that I want to take. It, you know, do I sit and wait for a bundle? Do I sit and wait for a deal? Um, no, Nintendo wants me to buy it from day one. And if they want, it, they want me to do that, uh, they're going to need to have a console for me to actually buy. Well, for the sake of fairness and balance here, we'll read the official statement from Nintendo in response. Quote, the Nintendo Entertainment System NES Classic Edition system is a hot item and we are working hard to keep up with consumer demand. There will be a steady flow of additional systems through the holiday shopping season and into the new year. Please contact your local retailers to check product availability. End quote. I guess that's some sort of consolation if you did not get it day one. As of this recording, it's sold out everywhere. You literally cannot find it online. Uh, purchasing it for $60 MSRP from these major retailers. I, I guess keep checking before Christmas if you expected to buy this as a gift for someone else. Uh, it, it sounds like they're releasing it very, very, very slowly, but still quite obnoxious for us collectors, all right? Us rabid collectors who want this. Totally. And I I feel like this, uh, people calling in to see if the NES Classic Edition is the new, like, uh, do you have Battletoads GameStop calls that <laughs> were, were pretty funny for a long time until Re- Rare Replay came out. Yeah, Nintendo needs to get its act together. They need to learn the lesson from this NES Classic Edition. Yeah, this is like the 2016 version of Tickle Me Elmo. (laughs) If you're old enough to remember that whole thing. All right, let's move on to the new video game releases. I love new releases. This one's out today. Dishonored 2 on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Right. So Dishonored 2 is a uh, stealth action adventure game taking place after the events of the first Dishonored. Uh, now you can play as the little girl in that in the original Dishonored. Uh, she's an empress now, all grown up. Her name is Emily Caldwin. Uh, or the original protagonist of the game, her father, uh, Corvo, to uncover and expose the usurpers to the throne that are um, doing that in Dishonored 2. Uh, the supernatural powers from the first game return, a little bit different, and uh, Emily and Corvo... Uh, you can choose whether to play as either one. They also play slightly differently. So, for example, uh, Corvo's uh, teleporting blink ability is now a little more momentum-based, so any enemies at your teleportation destination will be uh, damaged when you get there. And uh, Emily's uh, similar ability called Shadow Walk turns her into a kind of like shape-shifting mist that she, uh, where she can reappear at will to surprise enemies. Uh, some imp- early impressions so far have been saying that this game is promising for fans of this genre, but uh, if you're looking to buy the PC version of this game, uh, you may have some performance issues, a lot of uh, problems reported on that version of the game, uh, including some frame rate stuttering and some resolution problems. Uh, hopefully Bethesda uh, patches those out, but I don't know, Taylor, are you excited about Dishonored 2? Did you even play the first Dishonored? I tried the first Dishonored, and I have to say it was extremely punishing if you tried to take the the open combat route. I, I felt it was a little unfair that it didn't really give you a viable option to play the game uh, non-stealthily, and I really get impatient and frustrated with games that emphasize stealth as pretty much its only option. So I I played through about half of the game before I put it down. I couldn't finish it. So I I don't think I'm going to be checking out this game next year, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts about it. um, If you ever get around to playing it, 
Yeah, it's just not for me. I think it's one of those very few first-person Bethesda titles that I'm just not interested uh, in checking out because I'm a fan of Elder Scrolls and the Fallout series and Dishonored. The first one just didn't catch on with me. But I I totally get why it's so popular. Um, Yeah, so we'll have to uh, catch up on some of the uh, more reviews because I I am interested in what others have to to say about it. Uh, Moving on to Watch Dogs 2. Uh, on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Hopefully Ubisoft gets it right this time because I thought Watch Dogs 1, very underwhelming. Yeah, uh, this is hopefully a much better sequel to the original Watch Dogs. Uh, If you're not familiar, this is an open-world action game. Uh, The original Watch Dogs is set in Chicago. Uh, This time, Watch Dogs 2 takes place in San Francisco, and you play as a uh, African-American protagonist, Marcus Holloway, um, also a hacker like the uh, protagonist in the first game. Uh, So far, previews have been really positive on this game. Um, They've been praising the game's better, more fun take on the hacking subculture, uh, all that like dead sex stuff that was uh, in the first game has kind of a little more fun, a little more spirited take on that whole thing. Uh, And judging from some of the gameplay trailers that I've seen, um, this game has way more personality than the first Watch Dogs, which is really my big problem with with that game. Uh, It was just like a slog to get through. The the gameplay was not fun. It had all those like open world design problems and like the specific to Ubisoft problem of like you have to climb this tower, uh, but you can't really climb this tower. And also it's really not that fun to like check off all these things on this checklist and collect yeah it was a collect fest in the worst possible way right and it didn't do like the city of chicago any favors it wasn't realistic it wasn't a realistic take on the city and uh you know from what i've seen on watchdogs do i'm way more interested in this version of course there is like a whole spreadsheet of pre-order bonuses you can get with this game but the soundtrack uh, uh that they've shown on the trailers uh sounds really fun i it, it's coming out next week i'm i'm super excited for it may i potentially will review this game i i like this genre the style of game and i've been uh looking for something that will uh be much improved so and finally we have pokemon sun and moon coming out next week also on the 3ds I think I'm going to get the moon version. Uh, I might wait until Christmas. I might put this on uh, my Christmas list for Santa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you usually get the uh, the Pokemon Blue side of things. I typically stand it on the Pokemon Red side of things. But um, yeah, so this game uh, takes place in a new Hawaiian-themed setting called the Alola region. And of course, like all the other Pokemon games before it, add some new Pokemon in the mix to discover and catch. Some of them have really fun designs if you've been watching some of the uh, preview trailers. Um, they also released like a really fun demo, uh, had some of those Pokemon in it. Um, even some of the old Pokemon have new forms and types in this game. Uh, really, really cool looking. If you play the demo, you'll also know that there are now uh, things called Z-moves, which are special super attacks that can be unleashed once per battle. And uh, gym challenges on top of the normal gym leader battle and what these are are specific challenges that um, kind of turn the uh, traditional Pokemon RPG elements on their head you know challenge you to do something a little bit differently the one in the demo had you taking pictures of Pokemon um, kind of like Pokemon Snap which I, I thought was really really cool uh, yeah it, it it looks it looks great I love the setting I love the direction that they're going with this new Pokemon um, I love the the starters that they've put out e- yes even Pop Leo <laughs> Uh, but, uh, for me, I'm probably going to choose the grass type Rowlet, but yeah, this game looks super fun. And, uh, if it's anything like Pokemon X and Y, which were the, uh, last games in the series that I checked out, uh, since then they've had, uh, Alpha Ruby and Omega Sapphire, which were the remakes of, uh, Ruby and Sapphire. Um, you know, 
Pokemon fans seem to be growing ever more. And like this was Pokemon's 20 year anniversary, right? It, it's only fitting that they release like a good Pokemon game this year. And by all indications, uh, I mean, we don't have copies in our hands yet, but this probably is going to be a very good Pokemon game. Yeah, I really loved Pokemon X. That's the one I checked out from that generation. And yeah, it, the the demo I felt was very similar in gameplay, in style, but with a lot of great additions here, some new quality of life improvements. I, I, I'm very hopeful for it. it. It looks great. I love the fact that they're refreshing the Generation 1 Pokemon, the original 150, uh, 151, excuse me, are getting all those Alolan forms. So I, I think that's kind of cool. And they've been teasing those on Nintendo's uh, Twitter account and revealing some of them. And I, I really like the redesigns for those Alolan versions uh, of those old Pokemon. And what I think is kind of weird is that they're also releasing this peripheral for kids. Do you know anything about that uh, Z move bracelet that has like all these different crystals on it. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, uh, it's a uh, basically a toy that they're selling. It looks a lot like the uh, Skylanders crystals that they've been selling. Um, basically, it's a, a wa- uh, like a plastic watch that you attach a bracelet that you attach to your wrist, and um, you can swap out the crystal to um, activate more uh, Z moves or whatever. I'm not exactly. If, supposedly, it has it connects to the. Uh, game via wireless or Bluetooth, or I'm not actually sure how that works, but uh, I, I'm not sure that re- it has really any gameplay relevance. Uh, it's, it might just be like a like a cool accessory, much like the Pokemon Go Plus that was released uh, not too long ago, or the like. Oh yeah, that worthless thing. <laughs> yeah, or the uh, like uh, Pokemon uh, Tamagotchi thing that they released with the uh, Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Oh, po- the Pokewalker. The yeah. Pokewalker. Yeah, I actually thought that was a useful accessory, but. I think that's more of a product for kids. I don't exactly know that it has any gameplay relevance. You're still going to be able to use the Z-Moves without that that toy. So uh, I'm not sure why they're releasing it. But there are store shelves with Pokemon products, and you can buy them. Trust me, I've I've looked at them. <laughs> <laughs> So that's not among them that you want to you want to buy along alongside the game for adults, at least. No, thanks. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Don't fall for that trap. Uh, let's move on to our new video game announcements. Here comes a new challenger. Two announcements I'm super excited about. The first one being uh, a new, very sleek trailer for Mass Effect Andromeda on N7 Day. That was November 7th. Bioware put out new footage of Andromeda. It's the next one that's being released in spring of next year on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Although it didn't give many more details about its gameplay, it still looked amazing. Uh, I it just just build on that hype. <laughs> right. To me, uh, they showed a little bit of uh, gameplay when they uh, debuted the PS4 Pro. It's actually the game that convinced me that the Pro was a good idea. Um, I love the Mass Effect universe. I love the way it looks. I love I love the setting. I love I love the gameplay of it. Um, and we don't know much about the game other than the fact that it's taking place in a separate universe than the original trilogy did. Uh, you're not playing as Commander Shepard anymore. You're playing as a new commander, apparently a guy named uh, Ryder or, or a, a girl. You're probably going to be able to switch between a male or female protagonist uh, with a whole new set of uh, squad members and they did say that there were uh, going to be loyalty missions in this game but um there have been some other leaked info since then that have pointed to a uh, four-player multiplayer co-op mode uh which was if you remember from mass effect 3 was kind of a nice surprise that uh we weren't expecting that that uh wave-based uh horde horde mode 
uh, gameplay. It was very, very good, surprisingly, um, despite the fact that it had microtransactions and uh, some blind box stuff in it. But uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy the Mass Effect franchise, and I am super excited for Andromeda. Uh, I think it's the step in the right direction. I think they needed to scrap the whole Shepard storyline. Uh, it kind of ended very poorly. Uh, the apex of it was Mass Effect 2. Um, probably the game of that generation, I would, I would argue. But yeah, uh, super excited for Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, this next one technically isn't a new game release. Instead, it's more of a, a patch. We decided to make an exception here, but it, I think it's it's exciting news regardless. There were some Diablo 3 announcements you might have missed from BlizzCon. Blizzard is remaking Diablo 1, the original one, inside Diablo 3. I think that's kind of interesting. So adding the game's original Tristram dungeon and its bosses inside a free update. So if you own the vanilla version of Diablo 3, you'll be able to play that game with any of your existing characters. And on top of that... They're, they also announced a paid Necromancer character pack. That's my all-time favorite. Very excited about that portion. Uh, it's going to add the Diablo 2 character class that fans originally missed from Diablo 3. I think he was a, a real huge fan favorite. Uh, along with some other improvements here, they're also adding the armory in Diablo 3, which lets you store five character loadouts so you don't have to keep manually swapping out all your skills and gear, which I think is a, a really good improvement. Um, some seasons on the console versions of the game, if you can recall, uh, the Ultimate Evil Edition was released on consoles on PS4 and Xbox One. As of next year, PlayStation and Xbox players, you're going to be able to participate in these seasonal contests. Essentially, you get a new seasonal character and yet then you compete to be the first to hit max level. And there's also some other challenges in there, like defeating a certain amount of enemies, for example. Uh, another feature, a new tab for crafting materials that will prevent you from taking up it, uh, those very valuable inventory slots. Uh, challenge rifts. This is sort of like one player's build from the game each week you get assigned and then everyone has to use that build in one static dungeon. So kind of an interesting challenge there. And then finally, some new zones. Blizzard is saying, quote, the desolate fog and shrouded moors have been occupied by armies and empires over the time. Beneath them lies the temple of the firstborn, a place of evil unlike anything you've seen before, end quote. So uh, some new areas. I like the stuff, some free, some not. The Necromancer pack is the the one thing that's major that is definitely paid no word on the price or official release date i want to just give you a quick correction here you do need to own the reaper of souls expansion in order to access this free update so it's not just the uh diablo 3 based game that you will need um but uh, frankly if you (laughs) are still interested in diablo 3 you probably already own the reaper of souls expansion or you own the ultimate evil edition which included uh, both the original game and the expansion on console uh, and my understanding is that that's a very uh, good console port of of that game. Uh, I I think all these updates that they're doing are very smart. Uh, it's going to really re- reinvigorate the player base, and on top of it, uh, it's going to get me to play Diablo three again. I really liked that game the first time it came around. It had some issues at launch, but I think they kind of smoothed it out, uh, making the game better and better with every single patch. And uh, I think like. I definitely think they're going to make the game better with this patch. Um, the Necromancer, I think, is not a character class that I enjoy, but I think a lot of people were missing it when they just announced the Witch Doctor in in the game. And I think a lot of people who were who were 
wanted to play the necromancer instead it played the witch doctor and it wasn't the same thing so now they're going to get the chance to uh, do it all over again with the necromancer and uh, i never played the original diablo one so for me to play that old game inside a new game it like i'm excited to do that the other thing that i wish they would patch in the pc version because that's the version we play is that uh People really love the console version because of how uh, well it controls with just a controller. And for me, I always prefer that over mouse and keyboard. So I wish they would just patch official controller support within the PC version of the game. I think that would be another really, really good welcome improvement there. Uh, but beyond that, I, I, I love what they're doing here. Revisiting Diablo 1 in Diablo 3's engine. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Can't wait to check it out. All right, in this episode, we're going back to one of our older segments that we haven't done in a while. GG, good game, brought to you by ggbutton.com. Tim Sweeney, the co-founder of Epic Games, he's been responsible for a lot of things here in this industry, very well known, everything from the Unreal Engine to Gears of War. And now this is sort of some good news in a week that has included a lot of bad news for our country. Let's just leave it at that. Ryan, what's he done lately? (laughs) So uh, Tim Sweeney and Epic Games is actually based in North Carolina. And uh, there was a utility company there that threatened to run a massive power line through a 7,000 acre forest, potentially devastating local wildlife. But it just so happens that Tim Sweeney uh, owns the land that the the power company was trying to run this power line through. So uh, Sweeney decided to, in order to save it, donate this land to the United States Fish and Wildlife Service, uh, USFWS for short, uh, which basically means that while this land remains his private property, it is now a designated conservation area and can't ever be developed, can't be destroyed, can't be deforested, can't ever be used for anything other than what Tim Sweeney decides it wants to be. Uh, And the very good quote that he uh, said came out of the story he says quote it's not open to anyone in the public at any time uh he told a local newspaper but people can email and get a permission card and go and enjoy it uh like what a great environmental move uh save save this forest from uh, a power company that probably didn't need to do this but probably was just looking to save money and probably like hurt the planet while trying to trying to do this move and it's not often that we see uh video game companies or video game personalities do this this kind of move so uh gg to tim sweeney like great move dude yeah it's a great representation of our community even though it's not directly gaming related we just felt like uh he deserves some credit here we just wanted to applaud him as a great steward to not only his industry but to obviously our planet and the environment so gg again good game to tim sweeney co-founder of epic games All right, I think we're ready to wrap this episode up with our bonus stage. Ryan, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. At a recent Japanese auction, a network of American game preservationists won four Lost Kirby minigames from the Super Famicom Satellaview, the Japanese-only peripheral that could download games from a satellite connection. Kirby no Omacha Haku, or in English, Kirby's Toy Box, was a Satellaview title with ten minigames. Now these guys are planning on releasing the newfound Kirby games on emulators soon to the public. You know, I think sometime in the future, we're going to see jobs directly related to video game archaeology, sociology, right? In the not-too-distant future, there's going to be some museum curators working on uncovering lost items like this. So that's awesome. I love reading uh, stories like this. Very cool. 
Get this, arcades could be what helps save virtual reality from becoming a mainstream flop for the fourth time in 60 years, according to some experts. HTC's Ricard Stiber told Polygon that their company opened Viveland. It's a VR arcade in Taipei last week, and they're considering opening other Vivelands in Europe and the U.S., The theory here is that by exposing more people to the technology in VR arcades, sales will go up for the Vive hardware, which will mean a much bigger audience for VR game developers. That sounds very optimistic to uh, try to generate uh, interest in VR by opening basically a VR theme park. But uh, I'm definitely interested in getting accessing VR this way. Uh, I would pay... Well, I, don't, I won't say how much I will pay, but I would definitely be interested in experiencing VR this way for them to show me what games are definitely worth playing and uh, without me having to buy an expensive PC or expensive headset. Exactly. The cost of admission has to be much, much, much more attractive than buying the headsets and games outright right now. All right, that's it. Remember to listen and subscribe to our show, the 1P versus 2P podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, including iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Tune in or clamor or just bookmark our site, 1pvs2p.com, where you can read our gaming blog there, too. Our sources for this week's stories have been posted at the link in the show notes. But don't forget to like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and follow us on Twitter. We're very active there, at 1pvs2p underscore podcast. As always, thank you to Phonetic Hero for letting us play his music for our show, Coffee Stomp and Super Manly Brothers X. Both songs are part of the compilation project, Chip Tunes Equals Win. I'm Taylor Ray. That's my co-host, Ryan Ray. Thanks for listening. See you next week. At your teleportation destination.